0: Several years ago, my wife and I went to Australia. We had heard rumblings about uh, someone predicting the end of the world, uh, but we had no idea or knowledge as to what had actually taken place with it until we arrived in the the, uh, area of Sydney. And when I began to preach, I met a group of people who actually had been impacted by the prediction of the secret rapture that was to take place in 1992 here you have a copy of the poster that had been posted all around australia especially sydney and if you notice then that they had predicted that the god's day of judgment is near uh it would happen at one o'clock in the morning on the 29th of october 1992 sydney time Jesus will come again. People who believed it were so ardent about their particular faith in this prediction uh, because the ones that predicted it were supposed to be trustworthy that they began to actually give away their houses, their lands, their cars, their belongings uh, because they would never need them. In fact, when they try to give their their uh, uh, holdings to churches, churches actually uh, brought in attorneys to sign contracts so that these people could not take back what they given to the church if this thing did not happen. Of course, the church did not believe it was going to take place, but these members actually believed very strongly that it would take place. So. They uh, gave up their, their bank accounts They gave up their houses, their cars They gave up anything that they can give up And when people would say Well you, you may need them again No we'll never need, meet them again The Lord is coming And uh, we are going to be with him So when uh, the actual uh, night came That was supposed to take place There were two groups of people In the streets of Sydney uh, There was one group of people that uh, had signs with the word liar, and uh, the other one on the other side jesus is coming at one a.m, a.m. in the morning so the crowds left uh, and right were jostling over the truthfulness of whether or not this would happen of course those who believed actually went i am told that they actually waited in the streets of Sydney with suitcases, ready to take that special trip that uh, would take place once Jesus returned. Well, they waited until 1 o'clock in the morning and 1.30 and 2 o'clock in the morning, and guess what? It was a devastating experience for those people because what they believed would happen did not happen. And the next morning's newspaper headlines read, End of the World for Jobless Homeless Believers. Silent. We will be studying about the rapture and the manner of Christ's coming. But before we do, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we consider thy holy word, we pray for your guidance And understanding relative to this whole matter of what is called the secret rapture and the manner of the coming of Christ. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. No doubt it's very troubling when people who have been led uh, feel that they have been misled or taken in the sense that they have been deceived. Or uh, tricked into believing something that never did happen. and But the reality that Jesus will come uh, has been predicted over and over and over again. Jesus himself said many times, uh, I'm coming. Revelation 1 7, Revelation three eleven, Revelation 15 16, and Revelation 22 7, 12, and 20. In every case, Jesus says he's coming, and I should let you know this: that the coming of Christ is not something that was just predicted in the Book of Revelation. In the Book of Jude, verse fourteen, uh, we're told that uh, that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, predicted of his uh, his coming, and he says the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. So the first prediction of the second coming of Christ was actually done. By Enoch the seventh from Adam So the, pre- the prediction of the coming of Christ Had been going on and on and on and on And some people begin to wonder Whether or not it will actually happen People who uh, were caught up with that uh, prediction In 1992 lost their faith they become, Some of them became atheists Angry uh, with uh, those who have been leading out in the cause and felt like they had been deceived. Well, Jesus did warn that no one knows the day or the hour. Why is it that people are still trying to predict a particular day when Jesus himself has said, No man knows the day or the hour. But let's consider the coming of Christ and how it will actually take place. We already considered the signs of his coming And today we are going to consider The manner of his coming According to the book of, of, of Acts chapter 1 when the, when the disciples were walking with Jesus After he revealed himself uh, many times uh, With Thomas he said Here feel the wounds in my hand And Thomas knelt down and said My Lord and my God After he appeared to many of them. He finally was leading them out of, out of Jerusalem. And when he was in the mount, the Bible says that when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received them out, out of their sight. Now notice it says that while he was talking to them, he began to be lifted up or taken up. And a cloud received them out of their sight. Now, verse 10 says, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, you can imagine them standing there, looking up as he went higher and higher and higher. Two men stood by them in white apparel. These are angels. And uh, what did they say to the disciples? Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Obviously, Jesus had already gone out of sight, and they're still looking up. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, since these are two angels that have just pronounced that, then I think it's uh, something that is very trustworthy. The angel said that the same Jesus that has been taken up, and you actually saw him go up, will come in the same manner that he went up. So, uh, it's very important for us to understand what happened. As they were standing there, all of a sudden, Jesus began to rise. And they're actually beholding him. It must have been quite an experience. And as he's flying up and up, then all of a sudden, the cloud enshrouds him, and he disappears out of their sight. And the scripture says that just as he left with clouds, Guess what Since it says The same Jesus shall come back In like manner Then he would come with clouds In fact Revelation 1 verse 8 says Behold he cometh with clouds And every eye shall see him Now There are people who Who think that it's impossible For every eye to see him Because the earth is round One thing that that, uh, people do not consider is this, that even though the earth is round, it doesn't mean that every eye will not be able to see him. It doesn't say how quickly they will see him or that they will see him immediately, every eye, but it says that every eye will see him. So what does that mean and how can we explain it? Well, let's consider this. The Bible says that when he comes, he will come and Meet the people in the air. Now, this is an important text because the Bible reveals that there will be people who will, or the devil himself will appear like Christ and seek to deceive many. So, we've been warned about false Christ, and the Bible says that the angel, the devil himself, transforms himself into an angel of light. So We should not expect for Jesus to come walking on the earth. We should expect that when Jesus comes, that he will meet the people in the air. Because that's what it says. The righteous will meet the Lord in the air. Now, verse uh, 7 of chapter 1 of Revelation says that every eye will see him, even those who pierce him. Now notice then that not just the righteous will see him, but even the people who pierced him. There are many who uh, think that only the righteous will see him. But the Bible says that every eye, which means that everybody who's alive at his coming will see him. The only difference is that he will not touch the earth a second time because it says we'll meet him in the air. Now... Maybe some of you are not as old as I am, but you may have uh, parents or grandparents who may qualify uh, to be as old as I am. When I was young, Russia did something that startled the world. And that was that they built a satellite called Sputnik. And sent it up into space Uh, Here's some information about that Uh, The actual satellite Traveled about 29,000 kilometers Or 18,000 miles per hour It actually went up to a height of 359 miles Up in the sky And it was the first satellite ever projected up into the sky Now I remember seeing it streaking across the sky when I was a boy, and I could see it. Now there are some people who who say, uh, impossible, how can you see something like that? Well it turns out that the satellite actually was about the size of this uh, table here, a little bit bigger than a beach ball, okay, you can see the size of this table. I've actually seen uh, a copy of it in the museum. And that particular thing was made of uh, stainless steel. It had a very bright, bright shell to it. And because of the brightness of the shell, it had the ability to go across the sky, as I just uh, shared that, and it could actually be seen. Now, you can say, Or ask the question, how in the world can you see something that size at 350 miles, uh, 359 miles away? Well, I know it's very, very difficult to believe that. But the reality is that I did see it. And I've spoken to people who lived in my times who also did see it. Uh, You may ask, how is it possible? Well, when I was being trained as a soldier for the Vietnam War, one of the things they told us was, uh, be careful when you smoke. Make sure that you just don't smoke out in the open. Because you may think that it cannot be seen. But the, when you smoke and it lights up, uh, a, a soldier many, 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 many uh, feet away can actually see that bright uh, lighting up of a cigarette at night. And the sniper's out there and you'll be a dead duck. I was talking to another soldier who was in actual Vietnam, and he did tell me that there was a fellow who, who uh, smoked, and the next thing they heard was a, a shot, and uh, the shot actually hit the man in the face and killed him. So if you can see a little, little uh, glow of a cigarette at a great distance, Uh, The reason why you can see a satellite is because, especially Sputnik, is because it would actually reflect the light of the sun. It was so bright that you could see it. How many of you have seen something called a shooting star or a falling star? Well, they're not actually stars. They're meteorites. But how big are those meteorites? Well, those shooting stars that you see streak across the sky Actually, some of them are the size of a pea. And uh, because they enter into the atmosphere, they actually light up so bright that they look like they're pretty big. In reality, they're not. And so you can see something that a great distance and at 359 miles high, I could see Sputnik. Now, question, if I can see something this this big, uh, 359 miles away, then is it possible for me to see a man which is much bigger than this at 350 miles away? The answer is, of course, yes. Why? Because when Jesus comes, he'll be much brighter than the Sputnik. It says that he'll come with the glory of his father, the glory of the angels, and his own glory. Friends, every eye will see him. And by the way, uh, you should know this, that all of us on planet Earth May have difficulty seeing different things For example people in Australia Cannot see the North Star People in, in America Cannot see the Southern Cross But what's amazing is that people All over the world can see Orion The reason for it is that Orion Rises up about the equator And so if you're in the North Pole Or you're in the South Pole Or you're our North and South America Everybody can see Orion Because it rises up in the east And please remember that The Bible says that Jesus will come From the east Wonderful good news Now listen Notice it says in Matthew chapter 16 That for the son of man shall come In the glory of his father With his angels And then shall he, uh, he Reward every man according to his works when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So he comes with the glory of the Father, of the angels, and of his own glory. What a scene that will be. What do you say? I think he would agree with me. Amen. Now, the fact that the tribes of the earth will mourn means that they actually see him, and in, in Revelation chapter 6, actually says that they go hide in the caves in the dens of the mountains and plead for them to be hidden from him that cometh in the clouds. And so all eyes can see him and the people who don't believe in him even will see him. Now, in order to understand about what happens when Jesus actually come in this manner, not only will he be met in the air, he will not come and touch the ground. Not only will his brightness be so bright that everybody will see him, uh, but also he gives us things that had happened in the past as examples as to what will happen in the future. For example, he tells us about the days of Noah. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, it says, As the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, you can expect that what happened in the days of Noah will happen when the Son of Man comes. That's what that verse says, right? As the days that were before, so also shall, will be the coming of the Son of Man. So you can then, from Noah's uh, story here, get an idea as to what will take place when Jesus comes. So what did happen in Noah's day? Well, in verse 36, it says, pardon me, 38, it says, For as in the days before the flood, they were doing what? Eating and drinking. Then it says they were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. So if that happened in the days of Noah, then it will happen when Jesus comes. That is that earthlings are wrapped up in activities. Married and given in marriage, eating and drinking. But we also are told what happened as a result of all this. Notice then that it says that they did not know until the flood came. And what does it say after that? In verse 39. And took them all away so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I'm going to ask you a question. Who was taken away in the days of Noah? Well, it says that the flood came and took them all away. So who was taken away? Well, those that did not believe, those that did not prepare. uh, Those who were not inside the ark were taken away. Would you agree with that? I think you would. Then it says that so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So I'm going to ask you a question. So when the Son of Man comes, who will be taken away? Well, most people think, well, when Jesus comes, the righteous will be taken. But that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is not addressing what happens to the righteous. It's addressing what happens to those who are ill-prepared, those who didn't believe. It says that just as it happens in the days of Noah, that the Unrighteous were taken So it happened when Jesus comes The unrighteous will be taken as well It's just that we don't think of the word taken In terms of the negative We're always thinking of the word taken In in, the sense of uh, the positive Jesus will take us to heaven But this verse is not addressing What happens to the righteous It's addressing what will happen to people In the days of Christ Just as it happened in the days of Noah Do you see that? Now then it adds Then shall two be in the field The one shall be taken and the other left And this is where people who believe in the secret rapture Begin to switch things Uh, They begin to say that the ones that are taken Are the ones that are righteous And the ones that are left are the ones that are wicked But that doesn't follow what the Bible is saying Because in the days of Noah It says that the ill-prepared were taken And they knew not And the flood came and took them all away So shall also the Son of Man be And the Son of Man comes So the two that are in the field The one that's taken Is the one that's applied to the ill prepared The one that's left is the one that applies to the one who was prepared But that doesn't make sense to the common person Because you always think Well if you're being left behind Then you're lost But this is not speaking about being left behind In the sense of being lost But it's speaking about a specific separation that happens. There are those who are not prepared. And Matthew 24 is addressing the fate of the ill-prepared. It is not addressing the fate of the righteous. In fact, it uses Noah as a historical point of reference. It just simply says in the days of Noah. It doesn't say anything about Noah's family. Because Noah was not by himself. We know that Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three in laws were in the ark. So the, the burden of the text is not to say what happens to Noah. It just says until Noah entered into the ark, but it doesn't say that he stayed 40 days in the, in the boat being rocked to and fro. It doesn't give any more information. It just uses the days of Noah as a historical point of reference. Just like we could say today, that in the days of King Henry the uh, there are many, many Christians who were martyred. Uh, the focus is not what, what happens to King Henry, the focus is on what happens to the Christians who are being martyred in the day of King Henry VI. So now what I want you to notice is this. Uh, the, the question is, who's taken? And to answer this question, then we, we have to go to Luke 17. Now I want you to notice what Luke 17 says. Luke 17 is is talking about the same thing of the coming of Christ, but this time it uses the days of Noah, but it adds some more information. Notice what it says: "As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when uh, the Son of Man in the days of the Son of Man that they eat, they drink." They married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and, what's the next word? Destroy them all. There you have it. So when it says in Matthew 24, the flood came and took them all, what does the word took then mean? The word took means to be destroyed. Now, if I were to ask you the question, who will be taken when Jesus comes? You may say, well, the Righteous. But if I were to ask you, who is destroyed when Jesus comes? You would say the wicked. So if you remember that, use the word taken as dealing with being destroyed. And therefore, you will not be confused. In the Bible, the word taken is used in different ways. It can be a positive thing. I took my wife with me or the police came and took me to prison. One is positive, the other one is negative. Now, the word taken, however, uh, in the Bible can be used to capture or destroy. For example, it says that, that Joshua took the city with the sword. To take the city with the sword simply means to conquer it, to destroy it. And so... The word taken is where the problem is, and people get confused. So the the people who believe in the rapture misuse it and twist the verses, applying the taken to the righteous and being left to the wicked, when the reality is the reverse. The wicked are destroyed, and those who remain alive and left are the righteous. Can you see that? Well, let's look at uh, the verse again in verse 39 of Matthew. And knew that until the flood came and took Or as it says in Luke destroyed them all So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be So the focus is on what happens To people who are not prepared Will be taken But they're taken not to heaven They're taken to destruction God is not saying to the disciples You better watch out You're going to be taken to heaven He's saying you better watch out or you'll be taken just like the people that know us, they were taken. In other words, don't get distracted by things of life so that you're not prepared. Be ready. So when I come, I can take you. All right? Now, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife in uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 28 and 29, simply because He is again using the time of Lot as a historical point of reference as to what happened to those who didn't believe. Uh, Here's a case where half belief is not complete belief. Uh, Lot's wife knew that the destruction was coming, but her heart was still back in Sodom and Gomorrah. So she turned into a pillar of salt, according to what the Bible says. Now in verse 13, 34 to 36 is where most of the problem occurs what that confuses people concerning this thing called the manner of Christ's coming or the rapture uh, so turn with me to Luke chapter 17 and let's look at verse 34 and through 36. Uh, this this is very important I want you to notice because I've written a book called Left Behind or sincerely taken on this subject. And uh, I give more information than I can in this presentation. But nevertheless, let's look at this. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, I tell you, in that night it shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other shall be left. This is not making reference to uh, sodomy. This is making reference to the reality that in the, those countries, many times, There were more than one person sleeping in the bed. I grew up in a home where we had three beds, six boys. So two boys slept on one bed. And so uh, the scripture just is referring to something different than what people are suggesting. It simply means then that people are, are sleeping. Two women grinding together simply means that they're working. The One shall be taken, the other left. Two men in the field, which means they're at leisure. The one shall be taken and the other left. Now, Jesus is revealing the main three occupations of mankind. You either sleep or you're at work or you're at leisure. And in each situation, it doesn't matter where you are. You are either on one side or the other side. And the focus here. Of these people who are uh, Either asleep Or working or at leisure Is that there is a separation And the separation Is abrupt, immediate There's no time to prepare for anything You're ready or you're not ready When the time comes Hopefully you are ready But here is What's important, notice what it says Verse 37 They answered and said unto him Where Lord? Now, notice the question that they're raising, where? This could not be pertaining to where are they left Because we know where they are They're in bed, they're grinding, or they're at leisure So if you ask the question where You have to uh, be uh, talking about where they're going Not where they're staying, because we know where they are. So, when the disciples said, where, Lord? It had to be applicable to where are they taken, not where they're left. So, when that question is raised, where, Lord? Jesus then responds with this. Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. Notice then that its 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 word, or should I say, the wording is clear, that the term "body" suggests death. Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. That particular phrase is usually used in terms of uh, when the police are reporting they found a body. It doesn't mean they found somebody alive; they found somebody dead. Now. People question this verse and say, well, eagles don't eat bodies. The truth of the matter is that, according to the Bible, it suggests that they do. In fact, let me show you a verse of Scripture in the book of Job, chapter 39, verse 27 and 30. Notice what it says. "Does the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? Her young ones also suck up blood, and where the slain are, There she is. So you can see then that Jesus is simply referring to something back in the scriptures that already gives you a picture of the reality that eagles actually are where the dead bodies are. So the truth of the matter is that the people who are taken are taken to death. But the people who are left are those that survive or remain like Noah. Notice in Genesis 7, verse 23. Notice it says, Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. Now notice it says, Noah remained. uh, That's in opposition to those that were taken. Those who were taken were taken to destruction. Those that remain, remain alive. So it's not a bad thing to be left. It is a terrible thing to be taken. I don't know how many of you want to be taken. According to the scriptures, I don't want to be the one that's taken to destruction. When Jesus comes, I want to be left alive. In fact, that's what the Bible says. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, it said, Then we which are what? Alive and remain shall be caught up. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Can you see that? So if you remain alive, Jesus then will pick you up, raise you up to meet him in the air. And the dead in Christ will also rise and meet him in the air. The, the, the place of gathering then is in the air. But notice then that the ones that actually gather up there are those that remain not those that are taken. In fact, it doesn't say in uh, when it comes to Christ coming. It doesn't say that we are actually taken. All the verses that uh, are referring to that glorious day, uh, for example, it says received up. It doesn't use the word taken. And so, the the problem is this: that there are several verses in the Bible. That tell us what happens when Christ comes to the wicked. As well as what happens to, uh, to to people when Jesus comes to the righteous. For example. What's happening is that Matthew 24. Is a warning to the righteous. That they don't allow themselves to fall into the same situation. That the inter- antediluvians fell into. Or that the people in Southern Gomorrah fell into. In other words don't let that happen to you. Otherwise you'll be taken. Those particular warnings are warnings against the wicked. But what the raptures do is they take that and apply it to the righteous. So Matthew 24 is not what happens to the righteous. Matthew 24 is what happens to the wicked. Then Luke 17, likewise, what happens to the wicked. Revelation 6, in the last few verses, what happens to the wicked. Revelation 19, what happens to the wicked. All of these tell us what happens to the wicked when Christ comes. But if you want to know what happens to the righteous when Jesus comes, then then when you uh, consider that, you use uh, John chapter 6 and several verses there in chapter 6 that speak that, that all that are given to Christ, he will receive up when he comes. 1 uh, Corinthians chapter uh, 15 speak about, in the last few verses, speak about then uh, I show you a mystery which shall not all sleep, but which shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of the eye. That speaks about what happens to the righteous when Jesus comes. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. It speaks about what happens to the righteous when Jesus comes. These verses speak about the righteous. The other verses speak about the wicked. But what happens, as I said, is that the rapturers take what happens to the wicked and applies it to the righteous. And what happens to the righteous and they apply it to the wicked. And we don't need to do that It only confuses people And consequently A lot of people are expecting A secret disappearing That has never Nor shall ever take place In the days of Noah People were not Raptured up Into safety But rather They were protected by God In the days of the Israelites uh, When when they were going to be Delivered from Egypt They were not extricated From the earth while the Egyptians suffered all those things. But rather, they were left right there to demonstrate that God is great enough to protect His own while the wicked suffer. Uh, there's never, 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 never in the Bible any time when people just disappear as a group. Uh, for example, we know Elijah this, uh, was taken, but he, it was seen that he was taken. Enoch, obviously, he was taken. And I'm using the word taken. Uh, Which is not what the Bible actually uses But I'm just explaining the way people normally use the word taken In other words, one went to heaven, the other one went to heaven Uh, But as a group of people uh, in, In circumstances such as in the days that we live in The people were not raptured out from the danger They were protected within the time of the danger So very important to remember that God is a shield so when is it that that this eating of of, uh, of the bodies takes place? It is fulfilled in Revelation chapter 19. Verse 11 to 13 reveals that Christ is coming on a white horse and he is riding and he has a name written on him called the Word of God. And he is called the uh, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Then uh, along with him comes his army. Revelation verse, uh, chapter 19 verse 14. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So what's happening is that the greatest rescue mission ever, ever attempted is done at the second coming of Christ. Notice it says that he comes and he comes with his army. And he comes in his army to do battle with those who are on earth. Now, what's, what's important here is that when Jesus and all the heavenly hosts uh, leave to come down to planet Earth uh, he, he comes with his heavenly army And he comes to rescue you And rescue me if we let him uh, Then at, as he's coming The Bible says then that an angel makes an invitation Notice what the angel says then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and Great, Revelation 19, verse 17 and 18. So notice, there's a, a an invitation to the birds to get ready to have a supper. What's sad about this is that there are two suppers in chapter 19. The marriage Su- supper of the lamb and the supper of the birds. One, the marriage supper of the lamb, you will sit to eat. The Supper of the birds, you will be the, the food. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be sitting in the marriage supper of the Lamb, do you say? But listen, here's what happens. Verse 20. The armies are gathered together to resist the coming of Christ. But then the Bible says the beast was taken. Notice the word again, taken. And with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the ones that are apprehended in this in this uh, this battle that's about to take place are the leaders of the rebellion, uh, those that received the mark of the beast and those that worshipped his image. Now. The interesting thing is this, that as the armies of heaven descend down, if you read in Revelation chapter 6, verse 14 and on, you'll see then that the armies do see the coming of the Lord sitting on the throne, and then they uh, begin to run and ask the question, "Who, who shall be able to stand? They recognize that it's too late for them. Here then, it reveals then that More detail that the armies are defeated and the leadership of the armies are, are taken, but what happens to the remaining people who have followed them? Notice what it says in verse 21: "And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with his with their flesh." Here's the fulfillment. Of the words of Christ, whithersoever the body is, thither shall the eagles be gathered together. And so, according to the word of God, the righteous are surrounded by the wicked, but then, as Christ descends with his army, the wicked flee, and the leadership is apprehended and uh, dealt with. Then the followers, I struck down by the brightness of his coming with the sword, and the scripture says then that the birds then eat their flesh. So the words of Christ in Luke chapter 17 are fulfilled in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 21. So then the most glorious picture that your your mind and mind can think of is the final outcome of that battle. And that is that all the righteous who have loved Christ, who have waited for him, will see Jesus be lifted up and taken to heaven. And that's when we can use the word taken to heaven at that time. Notice it says, after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindred and people and tongue. They stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. What a glorious, glorious day that will be. What do you say? Can you imagine that? Being finally with Christ. All the people who have loved Him. They have been taken off the earth while the earth is left behind in ruin as a a result of the coming of Christ. Several, several years ago, my wife's aunt, Hazel Wilcox, uh, wrote a book. And that book is called Angels Over Manila. Interesting title, isn't it? Angels Over Manila. Well, what actually happened? My wife's uncle and aunt were actually serving in China when the communists came in. And they were chased out of China. So they went then to the Philippines. Her grandfather and grandmother uh, actually went to India who were also serving in China. And uh, when the, the aunt, auntie and Pearl and uh, her husband went to the Philippines, they were, he was an educational man. And uh, unfortunately, now it was the Japanese that came down there. And when the Japanese came down there, uh, they then took all civilians that were foreigners, that is, Americans, etc., and put them in a place called Los Baños. Now, if you notice the word Los Baños, it is uh, a university campus here but before this university campus there was actually a prison camp there was a what a prison camp and by the way the word los baños a spanish phrase baños means baths uh, taking a bath so the the baths well what happened was that the japanese came and put in prison um, the uh, civilians however General MacArthur, who was there, was chased out of the Philippines. He he escaped, but he made a statement, I shall return. Well, he did return, but he did not return as soon as anticipated. In fact, uh, what happened was Aunt Pearl then was uh, allowed to stay out in one of the vacated homes because uh, she had a sick mother Her f- husband and son, 13-year-old Wendell Were actually put in pr- in this prison camp Here's what the prison camp looks like Or used to look like As I said, it's a university there now So they were put in prison And they were there for over three years In this prison camp It was a terrible, terrible situation The Japanese were not very Amenable to uh, Americans and uh, basically just based, uh, made people uh, almost starve to death. Some of them, uh, many of them actually died. Uh, but in this particular prison camp, there were over 2,000 civilians that were being held there. And Pearl's son, Wendell, was there. I uh, understand from somebody who t- talked to me about Wendell that Wendell said, in order not to go crazy, he would just walk around the campus several times a day you just go walking around walking around walking around to keep himself occupied 13 year old boy meanwhile aunt pearl can't see her son or, or her husband she's taking care of her uh, sick mother and she, they're praying they're praying that god somehow will deliver she remembered the promise of macarthur that he would return but didn't know if he would return Well, one day turned into a week, a week turns into a month, a month turns into a year And she began to wonder if they would ever be delivered Well, one particular day, uh, unbeknownst to her, the guerrillas, Filipino guerrillas waited and when the Japanese were exercising, doing the kind of static exercises, they always piled their rifles in the shape of a TP or A. And so the um, gorillas then jumped in there and immediately uh, put fire to all those uh, weapons that the Japanese had. At the same time, uh, there were planes overhead flying. Now when Ed Pearl was walking and she saw the planes that she could see and hear the planes overhead, she assumed they were Japanese uh, coming down. She did not realize that they were not Japanese, but they were actually American paratroopers. They were paratrooping right into the uh, camp, that prison camp that held all those prisoners. And finally, the newspaper reported 2,000 civilians set free, By daring raid at Los Banos Amazing The following day After the raid And the deliverance It turned out That they found the Orders from higher up To the Japanese uh, headquarters That they were supposed to execute All the prisoners On that day That they were delivered Amazing I can't uh, uh, express to you the joy that Aunt Pearl had when she finally could see her son Wendell and husband liberated. And what a great joy it will be when Jesus descends from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. My friends, it will not be anything secret about his coming. He says that all eyes will see him. He says that he comes with the glory of his father and his angels. He says that there will be a great earthquake that will shake the earth. There's nothing silent about that. Jesus will come. Just as MacArthur fulfilled his promise, so the master of all the universe will fulfill his promise. He will come. But when he comes, expect to meet him in the air. He wants you to be there. He wants you to be prepared. He comes to save you, but you must want to be saved. That's why he warned the disciples saying, As it happened in the days of Noah or in the days of Lot, don't get overcharged with surfeiting or with the cares of this world. There are many troubles right now going about. Everybody's afraid about it, the coronavirus. But this is not the last that will take place. There are more plagues to come. But friend, we have a greater hope. We have something to look forward to. And that is the glorious day when Jesus returns at last. Do you want to be ready? Do you want to meet him? Do you want to be prepared? And when he does come, do you want to meet him in the air? Would you raise your hand to him right now as I raise my hand and say, Lord Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. Save me, I pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that Jesus does come visibly, audibly, and he will be seen he will not sneak around like a thief but rather as a thief he will appear when he's least expected. We pray that by your grace when he does come the separation is made the sheep from the goats that we'll be among those like Noah who remains and is caught out to meet the Lord in the air. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>
1: Aaj ek